Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good overnight. I am Anthony Price. Good overnight to you and good morning, good afternoon, good evening to our listener out there. <laughs> oh, one of you. I have to say I logged into the download statistics of our service provider for our podcast and the numbers have been trending up. We're 23% up, um, which would suggest that the the that we have at least one and a half listeners. Yeah. I'm trying to think of how we, we... We don't like to brag about our numbers, but I do know that we're beating another podcast because I have I get told what their downloads are and they have a customer base of 14,000 who get marketed this this stuff. So the fact that we're beating them, um, I'm happy with. But, you know, it's, it's all friendly. We are not competing in terms of uh, what we offer. So there you go. Is that um, the well-known podcast, Steam Engines Before Beaching? No, um, this is the dogging spots of the countryside. Ah, now you would think that that would be more popular than ours, to be honest. Well, we have covered that in our own episodes before. Yes, now, yes, yes. Uh, I, I'm sorry to tell you. In fact, I better check. Actually, there there hasn't been a request for us to repeat our "What can we learn from <laughs> leaders?" <laughs> um, oh, oh, I love that little spot. That was quite fun. Let me just double check, so I could be wrong. Um, let me log okay. in. Okay, no requests for that. It was your idea, but and I thought it was great, but it really obviously hasn't taken off, unfortunately. I lie. The, I oh, lie. well, we only needed one response to keep that well, well, a hundred percent of our audience excited by that so, particular segment. Of so, our how about this is our first feature then of this particular episode? Bearing in mind that clearly it's obvious to listeners we've got. Fuck all planned. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm. They've suggested a name. So um, oh, so okay. Um, uh, uh, I'm going to uh, not think anymore because I think it'd be unfair. So I, and the name is Dale Winton, yes. which is a bit of a British one, and I'm not sure what I. So Dale Winton is a, um, a God rest his soul, a deceased former TV presenter in the UK. Who used you have to, to be a bit careful now. Yeah, in describing Dale Winton. Yes, he was. He was orange. <laughs> um, he was, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, seemed like a very nice man, actually. Camp was, <laughs> camp was very, very camp. Um, Are we allowed to say that sort of thing I, anymore? I, I, I don't, don't know. I don't know. Well, we'll find. Doesn't out. matter, does it? No. I mean, we we can all be a bit camp, can't we, yeah, darling? Yeah. Yes, yes, we can. Um, anyway, and so what can we learn as a leader about Dale Winton? Oh my goodness! Um, do you know what? I think he was a always a positive communicator. There you go. There's my answer. JB, anything to add? Uh, he was a colourful character, uh, mostly orange, as you've already said, and uh, he was engaging. But actually, thinking about it, oh no, what can we learn? Well, for someone who was Marmite, I think that he managed himself rather well. Yeah, uh, Marmite being, for those of you who don't eat Marmite <laughs> or have heard the campaign, uh, Marmite, you either love it or you hate it. And I think for some people, Dale Winton was a little bit of, oh, it's too much for me. It's just too, too much. It's too in my face, too much orange, too, it's just over the top. I can't bear it. Yeah. Other people just loved him. Absolutely loved him. So there we go. If you have a name you'd like to suggest that you would like us to consider to in this feature. Have you done Dale? I just said uh, he was a very good, warm communicator. Is that it? Okay. Uh, he was a warm communicator. I felt that he was authentic in his delivery as well. So you actually believed him to be someone that is charismatic and genuine. And what you saw on screen was also what you got receiving the messages from him. It didn't seem that he was faking it. Um, uh, and yeah, I think he inspired many to run around supermarkets and fill up their trolleys with roast chickens and wine. But I think that's just asking that little bit extra, Ant. I think has delivered. <laughs> what, uh, what, what the person who suggested Dale Winton? Everything that they needed from this this particular segment of of the podcast. Thank you, Gemma. Thank you, Gemma, for that. Whoever we you may really be. do. We really do appreciate all of these ideas coming through. So I think probably Gemma, what you've done is you've saved this particular segment in the show. Mm. 
And yeah. I mean, I'm, probably other listeners are going, oh, no, do we have to keep going with this? But, you know, if we don't get any more... No, I think Gemma's, Gemma's um, enabled us to keep that segment of the show for another maybe three or four shows. And then wow. we review. Okay. Yeah, then, then I think we review. And, and, and unless one or two people come... Can you just stop it now, please? <laughs> Name for us to debate in the... Um what can we learn about leadership from this person? Again, submit your name to the same email address. So this week we have, we need to be honest, don't we, JB? We, we, <laughs> we've, we, we've got a couple of listener questions, which we will absolutely do. Um, but we've been busy, haven't we? Too busy. Uh, well, the, the dog ate my homework and um, the, the, the other stuff that I had all lined up obviously got burned when I put it on top of the boiler. Mm. Um, Sorry about that. So, yes, we are listeners. We are only human. Mm. Um, I know it's hard to believe, but we really seriously are only only human. And we haven't done our homework. No. So we have only one article to review and some listener questions. Um, which should we do first, JB? The, the listener question or the article? Well, I... Uh, do you know I'm I'm quite intrigued by the article that you have found. Okay. Because I don't know what it is, and it's going to be a little surprise for me. So I'm I'm looking forward to both of these things. But I let's go uh, with your article. Okay. First. So um, the article is titled "Signs You Need to Boost Your Leadership Skills." It's been published on the Ed Exec website, um, and they've actually done this article, which is a shortened version of something that was previously on a website called About Leaders. Um, anyway, um, it's all about having to work under the leadership of an incompetent boss. <laughs> um, I assume within their management skills or within their respected discipline that they may be leading as part of that organisation could be either or um, and, it, and it makes reference to the fact that even if you're achieving the targeted goals of your organisation it doesn't mean that you're a good leader um, and this is essentially what the article's about it then puts forward some behaviours that it believes good leaders avoid and bad leaders use and depend upon so good leaders will avoid putting staff under excessive, ex excessive stress. Um, it, uh, good leaders will not delay in making decisions. Good leaders will have effective communication skills. Um, and good leaders um, do not openly and needlessly criticise their team or members within their team. Um, and then it goes on. There's quite a few different things, but it, 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 in, in essence, it's talking about if these are things that you do, then you really need to look at your competence levels as a leader. You need to stop being disrespectful and criticizing your team members. You need to communicate better. Um, you need to assign tasks selectively and you need to give constructive, not critical and deconstructive feedback. Um, and it, it, it's an interesting article. I think a couple of episodes ago, we looked at the competencies of a post-COVID leader. So this, I guess, looks at it on the flip side. This has been republished recently, um, but the original article was written pre-COVID. What's your thoughts on those competencies then, JB, or the things we need to avoid or do as a good or a bad leader? Well, I'd so um, funny if I was talking to um, someone this morning about uh, the need for leaders to have uh, greater emotional intelligence, um, EQ, um, greater empathy than ever before. So the, the point about, uh, I think it was about caring um, and knowing and, you know, with, without going on about it, the, the knowing and the focusing and the valuing. Uh, and also, you know, making sure that uh, we build high levels of trust uh, with our with our teams and individuals within it i'd i've been talking to people about this recently and uh, we've all started feeling these are business men and women we've all started feeling that this is the big competitive advantage that businesses are going to have coming out of uh covid hopefully we will come out and i'm sure we will there, there will be a route out of this situation mm. but those organizations that did well during this time looked after their people 
uh, demonstrated caring and good communication, um, all the things that were described in that piece that you you talked of. Um, but some some leaders do not have the facility to care or demonstrate their care. They just don't seem to do it. It is like a psychopathic problem that they have. Uh, they they lack the ability. I think some of that is because they can't uh, combine a focus on shareholder value and dividend flow mm. at the same time mm. as giving a shit about people. And this, for me, is the mark of a great leader when they do the things that you described in that piece, um, particularly demonstrating that they genuinely care, they genuinely empathise, and they they communicate their caring. They they communicate the conversations uh, really, really well communicated. And, and they, so there's kind of two elements to that. One is actually genuinely caring. And someone I was talking to the other day was actually, can you learn to care? I thought it was a fabulous, wow. fabulous question. Yeah. Can you learn to care? Which suggests and, they didn't do it previously, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it, it's like... Uh, I, I don't know whether you can um, learn to care, but you can be learn. You can learn to be more aware. I know that. Mm. I, I, I think people can focus um, on being more aware of what's going on around them than just the one task, uh, the one project, the one shareholder value, one um, objective. It is actually training your brain. Uh, to be to be conscious and to be aware, um, and and to to live in a in a different state, and I think that's a fascinating area for leaders to get into uh, during COVID. So if, if you know if there is an opportunity to treat your people more um, more carefully, carefully, uh, and to, to be more aware and work with your people, ask the big questions about what's going on here. How are our people? I want to know. Not just, yeah, they're fine. Yeah, they're doing fine. Yeah, Team A is doing fine. You know, they hit they hit the target. That's not what I asked. How are they doing? Mm. You know, just being careful. Careful. It, it uh, It's funny, isn't it? I think most of what that article talked about, it was written originally um, by a guy called William Roy, but these were... Um, this was written pre-COVID, but actually I suspect if there hasn't been an improvement in any of those competencies during COVID, because that was the genuine opportunity to reset for many managers. Um, I was talking to my cousin actually last night over a pre-shorter um, opening hour world. <laughs> we went out for a beer last night and we were talking about um, the fact that we, we you've got um, uh, people out there um, who were absolute monsters pre-COVID and they've all suffered because all of a sudden they realise micromanagement makes it a lot more stressful for them. <laughs> um, and now they've actually been working from home for six months and oh my goodness, the, the business hasn't fallen over or certainly it hasn't been from a performance internally perspective, you know, it's a, a different conversation about performance based on customers and et cetera. But um, I, so the article, William Roy, um, originally about leaders um, and all about the signs you need to boost your leadership skills. But JB, I'm sure, has more to say on the subject. Well, <laughs> uh, sorry, I don't know what that I, I don't know what that was about. I don't know where that came from. But it was just a funny, funny little moment. Anyway, I tell you what, I've got mm. I've got You know how I'd like to do the odd little uh, carefully uh, created segue that I've been planning um since we started our podcast mm. i.e in the last 20 seconds, few seconds. Yeah. yeah well i i've got i've got this segue in mind and i accidentally came across a little book which actually is a little gem and i uh, part of you know i'm um just about to launch my own book yes um, but i'm not promoting it that is not what this is about 
I hope um, I but, hope you bring your your well. I know you were the leading author, and they just kind of underlined <gasps> a few words. But no, that's not true. That's not true. Are the that's three of you going to come on? Are you going to come on and talk about it? The three of you. Yes. Well, if I can persuade them to, mm. um, that's the main thing. Uh, they. Oh, you know, they're so busy um, with their lives. They're doing so many things these days. But I reckon I could persuade them. I reckon I could get them on the show. Um, obviously, they won't be as entertaining as me, but we could try. Uh, we'll do our best. Yeah. Anyway, um, in, the res- in the research that I did for this book, I came across this fantastic guy called Morris Nickel. And uh, I started doing my own little bit of research on Morris Nickel, who is... Um, I guess he's a philosopher, really. Um, and he's pulled together this little book called Gems of Wisdom from Morris Nichol. And it's quite weird, but actually it's, it's, really, it's really fun. And he has studied the work of Gurdjieff and Auspensky. And so he's, he's taken their commentaries of life and he's done this little interpretation called Gems of Wisdom. Now, I'm putting all of this as kind of as straightforwardly as I can because it's all a bit kind of weird. And mm. But in it, you find these genuinely wonderful little gems. And I'm really enjoying this book. Every so often, I just pick it up and I pull out a little gem and it makes me think. So I'm encouraging listeners to maybe just even Google it and see if you can find... Um, the work of Morris Nichol, and it's M-A-U-R-I-C-E, Nichol, N-I-C-O-L-L. And the book I've got is Gems of Wisdom. Whether you, How much of you you'd be able to get it on Google, I don't know. Mm. But this is about Gurdjieff um, and Auspensky. I won't spend too much time on it, but the little gem that I want to share is germane to what we just talked about, Um, because it's about why self-observation. And I just want to read you this little extract from this, because it's actually, I think, really, really wonderful. And it goes along these lines. Uh, One object of self-observation is to make us feel distinctly our own existences. We are carried along on the tide of life in a state of sleep. We scarcely feel our own existences any more than does a machine. But although we have become asleep and like machines, there is one great difference. The machine cannot become conscious of itself, but we can. That's very philosophical. It is a philosophical point, but... What I what I like about it is, and I come across this a lot uh, with people that I do coaching work with, that they are so caught up with being a process machine. They are operating uh, like a machine. In order to achieve these many things this year, I must do these things. And it becomes very, very systematic, very process-driven. And it's almost like the difference between that being quite science orientated and they forget to be playful. They forget to be artistic. They forget to be creative and innovative. And they lose that sort of conscious awareness of themselves in the machine. Um, And sometimes I think we need to kind of rage against the machine rage against the machine that we become to question it to challenge it to uh, actually turn the machine off and actually just become more aware of people Um, but more importantly as a starting point being conscious of ourselves and what on earth has happened to us what are we doing Uh, let's become aware and I I am using COVID as a backdrop for what I'm saying here Mm. and I'm only saying this because of conversations that I've been having with a lot of people recently Mm. and picking up on the point you made Ant about this time has been an opportunity for people to actually turn the machine off Um, or actually just to be more conscious of the other things that drive our, our, our being 
we 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 are born and we are die we we die you know we 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 we're born we die in between is the performance of our life wouldn't it be awful if that performance was described as a piece of machinery mm. a system a process tied to a system tied to an unthinking structure and not really opening ourselves up to noticing noticing so much about ourselves uh, actually probably getting a good coach probably getting a psychoanalyst sometimes you know therapist and actually just taking away some of the things uh that get in the way of us um delivering that performance of our lives so in this book there are lots and lots of little things like that that I find uh, actually just useful just to take a break and just, you know, really think about it before I go into a spreadsheet again, into spreadsheet world or proposal world or, you know, PowerPoint world. You know, it's just nice just to, to kind of break break away sometimes am i making any sense or do you think i've gone mad no no i i went off my own tangent because some of the things you were saying there <clears throat> i was comparing to analog versus digital oh um yeah yeah and and there is there is a resistance to a digital world when we were all analog and there was a, a consideration of actually well digital is is ones and zeros and analog has a whole spectrum. I remember a conversation. Anyway, so you know you you are making total sense, but um, I was reminiscing in with the lens of your story. Sorry, the the book that you are seg segued into. Yes. Well, I I probably have now proved to the listener that I am absolutely bonkers, and um, <laughs> that. But I tell you what, though, it is it is part of um, an appetite for learning for me, and and you know I, that amongst other things that are more technical, you know, I, I I do quite like just trying to push the boundaries of my learning in that way and um, start kind of getting into weird shit like that and actually just pushing myself what, what does it mean to me mm. uh, and I find leaders that are up for um, some kind of weirder stuff like that that just might break open some very interesting conversation about you know how people are stuck in uh, fixed mindsets rather than growth mindsets um, and trying to learn more shit and more stuff uh, that's not just the system, uh, the the objective, the task, and so on. Companies get can get very stuck in a task based language, mm. and you, you you hear it, you see it, and it becomes very formulaic and actually quite dull. It becomes a, quite a dull place to work. Uh, it's when you open up these channels for different ways of thinking and observing mm. um, that I think I think through that. Uh, approach uh, organizations can be more ready uh, to take the competitive advantage with teams that are more aware with individuals that are more aware of all things uh, like this the, the way the way people tick not just the way the organization ticks i'll shut up now no, no, no. It's interesting. I'm, I'm, ex I'm anticipating an email at some point, though, where some AI enthusiast will prove that a robot yeah. is able to become more self-conscious than it perhaps was able to do previously. Well, it can analyze its own, <laughs> its own consciousness. Something. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's a, a, a. Anyway, should we go into some listener questions, JB? Yes. Well, it could. It, I'm sure AI. There will be systems that can analyze their own systems, but they will never ever be aware of unconsciousness. I I think. Mm. But they, hey, I'm not an AI expert. No, I think. No, I think you're right. But I think an AI person will argue that the the self learning of a computer will allow it to evaluate itself, and then in almost a black hole. The 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 observation of itself will then also be observed, and it will be you know anyway. Yeah, there you go. Um, that sounds like um, one of um, George Orwell's books. <laughs> I was going to say um, one of the one of those little algorithms that pop up now and again. Yes, and frighten the frighten the shit out of us. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at a, a talk. I think it was last year in the Netherlands. Um, and the subject of the talk was about um, uh, AI. Um, and I'd been to an 
uh, I'd been to a different conference on um, AI within learning and HR, and it was by EY, Ernst & Young, um, one of the big four in London, and it was brilliant. So I was quite excited about going to this talk in the Netherlands. Anyway, I turned up this talk in the Netherlands, and this guy had written a book, and immediately I looked on Amazon for it, and the reviews were, this is such a depressing book. And I was like, oh, okay, that's not what I was expecting. Anyway, this guy stands up and literally spends the next 45 minutes, to your point, scaring the shit out of the audience, saying, well, all of you are going to be out of a job for a start. So, you know, all of your jobs, I've had a look at your job titles on, on the guest list. Yeah, the robots will replace you all. So, and even when he was, someone challenged him saying, well, who funds the robots? Because if no one's got money to spend because everyone's redundant, then how do these robots even get funded? Um, that's not for me to question. Did you ever feel that you were up in Newcastle at any point during that? Because if they're going A-I, A-Y-E-E-Y, A-I. I don't know whether that's more or less offensive than my, my camp comment earlier, but there we go. Probably. And, and I any, love Newcastle, by the way. Any Geordie people, um, feel free we to, love you. to mail it. I love them. I've got, I've got two, two Geordie friends who I love. Oh, nice. Um, three listener questions. Um, which w- Would you like one on um, furlough? Would you like one first on um, uh, lead political leadership during COVID? Or would you like one on coaching first? I think we've done quite a lot of COVID. Okay. Well, we, we need to cover them. It's just in which order. So. I know, but I thought we'd give it a break and then go back to it. Okay. Well, I see. So let's go on this one then. Yeah. Um, we're bringing our staff, this is from Anonymous, we're bringing back our staff after a long period of furloughing, but the company have not looked after these people and engagement and loyalty has dropped to rock bottom. I was back last week and have been instructed to rally the troops, but also evaluate who we should keep versus lose. I feel very torn in terms of loyalty to my people and the business and st- keeping my own job. What do I do? Flipping it. <laughs> Um, so for the benefit of the listeners that aren't in the UK, furloughing is a scheme in the United Kingdom where the government have been sponsoring you retaining people. So they would fund up to 80% of all people's salaries up to a limit of £2,000, which is €2,450 per employee per month, basically. Um, so it's a very good scheme, which has meant that most businesses have not had to make any redundancies yet. But that comes to an end in end of October, I think it is, 2020. Although there's been some announcements, I think, this week about how they're going to protect some sectors. But the, that is the context of furloughing. So a lot of these employees have been furloughed. And in this case, this manager has been returned to work last week, has been told that his staff or her staff just to be clear on the anonymity, um, are due back next week. And all of them are absolutely, well, they've been ignored. Um, And now he's being expected or she's being expected to rally them all. But in the meantime, evaluate which ones are going to keep versus go. And it sounds like there's a real torn situation jb i've I've padded a bit to to give you a chance to give some reflection on the question and and then i'll i'll also come up with some answers in a second i think this is one of these moments where you 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 are transparent and you're honest with what you can say and honest about what you can't and there are two different things here going on. One is to morale boost everybody in the team, as I understand it, but at the same time to start preparing to let a number go. And that is a very, very difficult job to do um, for this person. I completely understand that. Um, having been in a vaguely similar situation before, uh, on the receiving end of it, actually, uh, where a number of executives were pulled together in a room and told that some of us would be staying and some of us would be leaving. 
what was important after that statement, which was quite tough, it was quite hard to hear because we were all pretty close and it was, you know, pretty clear for some of us who would probably stay and go and actually those early thoughts were were right. What was important was the process that was going to be used uh, to decide who was going to stay and who was going to go. That that really has to be agonizing, agonizingly fair. And so this person, I hope that you have a really, really good leadership team with you um, and good bosses who will help you to design a process that is agonizingly fair where they will know in that communication be it a room or whatever else you have to do it through the first thing is to be honest about what what's happening and why it's happening and that there is a process it's a fair process as fair as we can possibly make it um and to be absolutely clear about what's right for the business and what's right for the people mm. to talk about the arrangements for those who will be leaving and how they will be supported and arrangements for those who stay and how they will be supported because everybody needs to be supported through this support is a very critical word in communicating to that audience whether they're staying or whether they're going honesty transparency and process get the process clear and make sure that it is agonizingly fair for all concerned that's my thought yeah. my learning in fact and it went well in that case it's a very conflicting situation because I, I whilst jb was talking there i reread the question again and it doesn't get any happier <laughs> no matter how many times you read it uh, i i sense from your message um, mrs or mr um, that there is a degree of resentment towards the conduct of the company thus far um, but at the same time um, I can only assume that these cuts are necessary for the survival of the business in itself. So I think the longer you spend um, not drawing a line under the conduct thus far, the more difficult it will be to be objective in the next stages, because it sounds like the cuts are coming anyway. Um, now, I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, my my suggestion to you will be will, will probably be of no surprise, but what do you want your reputation to be by these impacted employees and the survivors of, that are in the room once you've made those changes? Now, I'm unsure as to whether you're expected to announce the potential cuts next week or you're just going to be there to rally the troops and stuff. But I think what absolutely to echo what JB said, and he gave such a, a great response, is... Um, you, you, is the honesty about what you can and can't talk about, you know, but and be explicit. This is what you know. These are the things I'm going to talk about. These are the things I just can't talk about. So, do you know what? If you ask me questions, it's I'm not going to be able to give you an answer because I'm not at liberty to give you that yet. But I will tell you what we are, what I can tell you. Um, but I think it's important during this period that they understand that the survival of the ones that stick around is of course, in the business's interest to support and the ones that may be impacted will be hopefully, I assume, looked after and given at least some dignity in their departure from the company. From a personal leader level, this is your moment to shine because if you ever want these impacted employees to work for you again, you've got to be seen to be absolutely a objective in the decisions of who stays and who goes which means you probably, whilst you are evaluating, is having some really honest one-to-one -one conversations with them. Uh, and you need to be objective. I, I would be anxious if your employer are asking you to select the stayers versus goers based on attitude on their return to work because the company probably has a degree of resentment against it from its employees. So anyway, 
Be conscious of the reputation you want because at some point, bearing in mind these people's redundancies are through no fault of their own, you as a leader have to be the person that helps them feel inspired despite the probable likelihood of their job being lost in the near future because those are the ones that will probably thank you for how sensitively you handled them during that period. JB? Just one final thing and... Again, you just talking that through and uh, got me thinking about the the approach, you know, the attitude of this person going into this. And it, it is my, my final point on this, really. And it is that there is a learning opportunity here uh, for both you and those people involved. And rather than seeing it, and it, and it is obvious that it's really going to be very hard and you will need to manage your own emotions very be, be really conscious be really aware of your own emotions and get help you know get get a good team around you whether internal external to the organization get those people behind you because it it is it is it's quite a tough call that you've been asked to 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 put together here but I, my, my point in terms of your approach and your attitude is this is a learning experience for everyone involved with this. And from that learning, uh, they can use that learning uh, to benefit themselves, uh, to step up, to stand up and to um, really learn something about how they deal with the situation, the support that they need. Uh, the kind of opportunities that may come from that learning. Now, you don't necessarily be explicit in what I've just said. It might hack a few people off, but in your own mind, how can I, how can I create an environment here for people to actually learn and develop, even though that is a really tough lesson? There's tough learning here, but some just might go on to see the process used, the honesty and the leadership and the transparency as a great thing for them, for their future, on how to do it themselves in the future, um, but also the opportunities that might arise from it. I hope that advice is useful. Um, look, it's... I'm sure many people listening to this podcast may be in similar situations, but haven't asked the question. Um, there is no uh, secret from <laughs> governments around the world that what's about to happen is is going to be painful for many of us for a long time. So um, good luck. And hey, um, yeah, good luck. We, we are yet to get a listener email back afterwards after a question being answered, letting us know how our advice has landed for them. So maybe this could be the first, but good luck um, to the anonymous person. So question number two, JB, this this there's a bit of a segue here, actually, based on my final oh. comments there. Um, mm -hmm. Now, this is from a lady called Lucy in New Zealand. And the question reads, despite what the others think, I think there isn't a single leader around the world that has led their countries effectively during COVID, my own included, which is interesting because this, the leader I think has been heralded as a, as a, one of the, you know, a great leader um, during COVID. Uh, Jacinda is her name, isn't it? Is that right? Her name? Yeah. 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 Um, can you, either of you name a leader in the world that you believe has been inspiring to their nations or the people or companies or countries that they lead through this crisis? And I'm interested because I, um, did read an article on the New Zealand PM and they're saying that, and it was very critical so i'm guessing there must be opposing political party kind of persuasion type press title and they basically said that she just happened to be lucky that because the travel in and out of the country is long-term travelers as in people backpacking around australia new zealand um, and the fact that it's such an isolated nation and an island it, and they don't have a huge population commuting to them from china it explains actually why why she managed to contain it so actually her decisions were no different. Anyway, I digress, but clearly, um, interesting question. 
There once was a lady called Lucy who came from a place called New Zealand. You have to carry on now, Ant. Um, okay. Um, she um, didn't like what went on locally, but she was very vocally... Back to you. Um, no, you can't do that. You had to finish it anyway. So, right, okay. So, in all seriousness, there is no one who's done it exceptionally well. Let's no. be honest about that. But, and I know that uh, Scotland is, you know, part of the United Kingdom. And this will probably divide the listeners divide the listeners mm -hmm. but i don't intend to it's not my intention to divide <laughs> listeners but actually and i've never i you know i've never been particularly um you know a great fan of nicola sturgeon but uh, i think that she's communicated uh scotland's um need to put in its measures more effectively than others uh, I think she's been decisive. I think she has been a good communicator uh, throughout. And I have been in Scotland recently. And uh, I I think that they actually um, have a great deal more trust in her than other parts of the world that I shall not mention. Because um, you'll make another divisive comment. <laughs> because I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to slice and dice our listeners into pieces. Um, but um, no, I, I think I think Nicola Sturgeon's actually done a pretty fair job, personally. Fair, fair I agree with. <clears throat> um, outstanding, no, um, but no, it, 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 I, I have to agree with JB. I can't name anybody. So yes, you've got us. Um, you've got us. Fair and square. Yeah. Uh, and and it, 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 it's funny because at the beginning of the pandemic, during March, early part of April, um, Boris Johnson was actually rated very highly for his handling. He was a leader. And then he obviously got sick. Um, and that there was a huge amount of support. I think even you and me mentioned him on the podcast thinking, you know, that's, you know, you don't wish harm on, on people, but you, you know, and, and anyway, um, but there has been a real lack of communication now if we ironically i suspect history will be kind to the uk government not any of the devolved nations governments because of the the the, the steps they've taken to protect people through the furlough scheme amongst other things um, but i have to say the leadership have not communicated effectively or consistently and I unfortunately think politics has played a huge amount in disrupting that ability to communicate because <clears throat> they have all been given the same scientific evidence, but they all, I hate to say it, Nicola Sturgeon's probably tried to be slightly different because she wants to prove her independent com competence. So, and I think it, it it's blurred the the messaging that comes from from central governments. And then you well, look are, at, are you talking about Nicola Sturgeon or Boris Johnson when you say that? Um, uh, no, sorry, Ant. I'm being I'm being a little I mean being a naughty, little bit naughty. naughty. I'm being naughty again. Um, but anyway. Lucy, you you played a blind. If I had if there was a blinder buzzer, buzzer, um, that would be a blinder yeah, let me, uh, of let a me, question. Let me make a the noise. The floor is slightly. There we are. That was that was the the, the blinder. The blinder. The blinder from down under. Yeah. Uh, your listener questions are always welcome. Global Leadership Podcast at gmail.com. The final one was one given to me verbally, so I will paraphrase based on what I remember. But this is. Were from, you in the pub um, at the time? No, no, no. This was on a, good. a call, a, a conference call, um, if they're called that anymore. Um, a Teams call, a Zoom call. Um, uh, and the question effectively was um, why don't you answer this question on your podcast and. Um, and they're a participant on one of our face-to-face -face programs when, you know, we could travel <laughs> all those years ago. Um, and they basically said, um, uh, coaching, why bother? Now, that is like saying to JB, your beard looks shit. You're going to get a rise out of him. I have spent the whole of COVID um, perfecting my beard. And I had the most delicious experience at a barbershop, men's barbershop. Uh, Is it only, a woman's barbershop? 
I don't know. Um, in certain parts of the country, there probably is. Um, but I had a fantastic ta- hot towel. Have you ever had a hot towel thing all over your face? And Well, yeah, when you get on a plane normally, they give you a towel, don't they, to dab yourself? And the effort and energy that was put into to making it such a fantastic uh, end result was wonderful absolutely wonderful and there was lots of sort of slapping around and massaging and and trimming and and just you know do you want number one number two number three or whatever it was i hadn't got a clue i'd never done anything like this before this by way of a metaphor (laughs) thank goodness for that i was thinking for a second has he forgotten the question (laughs) um you see uh the the (laughs) the questions about coaching in it and uh what's the you know what's the point um do we need it what was the what was the what was the question what's the point in coaching (laughs) and i then simply added to the end of it you've just insulted jb as if i just said to him you've got a really shitty beard (laughs) and i ran with that didn't i you see that's the problem man with these things you put something in my mind and i go off on sorry but then but 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 it's brilliant though because it's actually a really fabulous metaphor uh coaching um why are you yawning now (laughs) (laughs) it was a late it was an 11 o'clock close last night at the pub jb and it's very late okay right okay look so um the thing is coaching is more important uh, no, I'm going to. I'm going to actually, I'm, I'm going to clarify that a coaching style Oops, sorry. Uh, is more important than ever, mm-hmm. than ever, and I, I'll tell you why. Uh, it is. It is more important uh, for individuals inside teams to feel um, like they are getting damn good listening uh, to them. They need to know they're being listened to. They need to know. Uh, that they are trusted. They need to know that their thinking, more importantly, is trusted. People need a damn good opportunity to air their thinking, to actually explore their own awareness of problems in an organisation, awareness of others in an organisation, and awareness of themselves more so than ever, because we are going through such huge change. I don't think we've seen anything yet. No. Before COVID and before things like Brexit and things um, going on in America and other parts of the world, uh, we were worried about AI. We were worried <laughs> about the transition of professional services, jobs, and so on to other parts of the world um, and all sorts of things, big changes. And now on top of that, we've got all sorts of economic issues. We've got environmental issues. We've got pandemic issues. Uh, We've got people not sure whether they are going to be working from home, uh, whether their lives are going to be virtual or real, or whether they actually have a job. We have got huge amounts of change. People need a damn good listening to coaching approaches uh, using good um, listening skills, good questioning, uh, where the intent is to follow the interest of the other person and to help them to achieve their potential and to make good choices through greater understanding of their world and what's going on in their world. Now it's more important than ever. More important. This is the moment, actually, uh, for for coaching. And actually, I would go further. I think this is the moment not only for coaching uh, as one thing, executive coaching, but also I think there should be a great awareness of other interventions like counselling and therapy. Um, And I think organisations should step up Um, and actually support their teams and individuals um, and create greater awareness of of choices around that too, uh, because people are going to be in, um, you know, some some people will be in very, very difficult situations through this if they aren't already, a lot are. Uh, So coaching, my friends, uh, is where it's at. 
uh, I think it's it, in in previous years. I think it maybe didn't do everything that it should have done. Where were the coaches in two thousand and eight? I hear people say to me, <laughs> um, and you know, I, fair point, fair point. Um, you know how directive, how non-directive. I just think it's worthwhile uh, learning what a coach is. A simple definition um, that I use and, and Ant and I use actually quite a lot is the art of facilitating the learning, the performance and development of another. Um, you know, this learning, this learning focus uh, and God, we need to learn. We need to learn fast and we need to have greater awareness uh, to transform our lives, our business lives and our other lives, all our lives um, and you can tell I'm a little bit passionate about this, but 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 we we must we must have people listened to, and we must trust people and their thinking in our organisations. Otherwise, we are fucked. And on next week's Pilates political broadcast for the coaching party, <laughs> I, I think I've probably been written off by um, all sorts of coaching. Um, Ironically, the share the share of mic. We, we, me and JB talk about the share of microphone on a coach, and you you should, in theory, eighty percent should be the coachee and twenty percent the coach. But the coaching experts just stolen eighty percent of my time in telling everybody what the coach is. So there you go. No. Um, <gasps> oh, sorry, Anne. No, no, well, let, let me be. Let me learn from that. That is a good little bit of a heads up. I, I was, Thank that, you. That was me. That was that was Bance, Mister Bradley. Anyway, so I'm going to give. Um, because JB is the guru of coaching, um, hence the, the very solid explanation there as to why it's critical. Um, and I think the definition of coaching that JB mentioned at the end should resonate with you because if you think coaching is giving any guidance or your wisdom, you're wrong. That's not a coach. And I think that's where this blurred understanding of coaching and its, and its value in business is, isn't necessarily landing in all cases. That said, I would like to leave the, this question with a little bit of a thought for our listeners. Me and JB um, have trained around about 650 managers at different levels of businesses over the last three to five years together, predominantly. JB does his own thing as well, but collectively we've done about that number as a duo. And when we've gone into these programs, we've asked the businesses to supply attrition, voluntary attrition, employee turnover data for those line managers. And we then align their 360 data to their retention. And what we were able to identify was that there was a critical link between the less coachy a manager is the higher the voluntary attrition was for that individual. Now, when we took out some countries where unemployment was rife and therefore you can treat employees like shit and be a manager rather than a coach or a leader, that you take that data out, it was even more obvious that the more coach-like a manager was, the better their staff retention and engagement was. Fact. That sample size is a solid sample. Those 620, 630 managers, their 360s came from a sample size of thousands to create that data. So these feedback from all their direct reports, their peers, their managers telling them and us what they thought this person's strength was. And the data was loud and clear. The more manager-like, in other words, more instructive, the more direct and the more overpowering, the disempowering, um, of leader they were effectively the higher the staff turnover those people knew how to ride their bike and you were telling them how to ride the bike when they could ride the bike better than you well done be a coach retain your people simple that's our hour is nearly up jb do you know i i started off this hour feeling a little bit guilty oh because well no I know and I I I'm, I was feeling a bit guilty that I hadn't done my homework. Oh. Um, and um, I'm now I'm now feeling rather good about this conversation that we've had, and I really hope that uh, we do have some listeners <laughs> at the end of it, um, because there was quite I think there was quite a lot of passion in yeah. us today. Yeah. I, I I've got I I I look at my pulse actually. Let me have a look at oh. my. My Fitbit. You know, you're not supposed um, to wear your fit a bit around that. You're supposed to wear it on your wrist, you dirty boy. You are very rude. 
Um, listen, my heart rate is 79, and it's usually about 69-ish, I think. 69, 70. Oh, it's gone up to 83, just as I thought. It was going up and up and up. And I think, call a, call a medic. You know what, though? Whenever um, you look at it and you're consciously looking at it, I do think it goes up. So, you know, it, it really did. It just went shooting up. I just looked at it and it went flying up. My heart rate four minutes ago was 73. It's yeah. now gone up to 83, 85. Eight, I'm 84. I'm 84. 84. Uh, we're sinking. We're sinking in. Look, 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 look. Look, look at mine. I'm 84 too. Wow. Listeners. We are so synced in. <laughs> it's it's crazy, isn't it? Anyway, I've I've been very excited about talking on these subjects. I think it's been good fun, and uh, hopefully the listeners will feel the same way. Yes, I'm, and... I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Listener questions, usual email address, globalleadershippodcast yes, at gmail.com. Yes, I'm delighted to say we, we are over the 100 mark on our LinkedIn page now of followers, which is exciting. Yeah. Um, so you can submit your, I think you can submit your questions there. Maybe I need to post something to say, hey, post your questions in the comments or something. Um, but I don't think, you, but clearly you can, anyway, get hold of us via the email or the LinkedIn page, which seems to be growing in popularity, but isn't necessarily growing as a source to get listener questions. Also, if you love the podcast, please do give us a rating on your a podcast provider platform because the higher the rating, the more likely it is to get recommended to new listeners. And of course, if you like it, but you don't recommend us, that means if we keep having only three listeners listening, there's a probability that we stop doing these podcasts until, of course, me and JB become world famous. And then people listen to our back catalogue and go, oh, oh, imagine thinking about that. Or maybe we both get I don't know. Bumped Knighthoods. off. Knighthoods. Yeah? Knighthoods. Yep, yep, yep. Sir Jonathan Bradley. Knighted for um, his contributions to the podcast world. We are less of a snowball racing down a mountain. We're more of a little drip on a window pane, just gradually building its own momentum as it drips down to the bottom of the window. Goodbye. That. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I, so we, I mean, we, that, that was one of those normal, you're, the things you kind of do when I say it's goodbye for me, and then you do that, and then the oh, music yes, comes sorry. No? I, I, I was a bit premature with that. Um, anyway, do you, have, you done your, have you done your thing? I beg your pardon? <laughs> have you finished your your closing statement? No, no, I was kidding. I was your kidding. Uh, any any exciting plans for the for the weekend ahead? Oh, uh, oh yes. Well, the weather has changed um, quite a lot down mm -hmm. here. I have ordered some logs, uh, which are arriving tonight. Uh, I also have a sofa that I'm going to collect tomorrow. Um, so okay. I'm going to assemble sofa in front of our place and light logs and step back and admire. Uh, as long as the Sunday, uh, what was that? That was my phone. It wasn't me oh, farting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, as long as the weather doesn't get all hot and sunny again. Otherwise, it's all a waste of time. Indeed it um, is. Yeah. That's not everything that I do in my life, by the way, doing these crazy things like getting logs and getting sofas and sitting in front of fireplaces. I do have quite a lot of um, quite interesting um, things to do. Here is another one. I've got a new waterproof outfit. And I'm quite looking forward to testing my waterproof outfit. <laughs> what the fuck do they do at weekends, ladies and gents? Answers on a postcard, globalleadershippodcast at gmail.com. But don't you see, so I go out, I, I, it's pouring with rain, it's cold, I've got my waterproof outfit in, outfit in I on. I, can't, I haven't honestly I haven't been drinking. I'm just overexcited. But I'll check my blood pressure. No, it's all good. Um, and then I get back. I go on the new sofa with the dog, with the missus, and we get the fire on. Yay! I'm quite looking forward to that. And I think I might have a little crumpet and a scone. Do you nice. say scone or scone? Uh, scone or I scone? Say, I say Are you scone. scone? But, but then I also put on cream first, which is, will cause division again between the listeners. Oh, so. I, I, it's got to be cream first and then jam on top, surely. Well, I agree. But apparently yeah, some absolutely. of our listeners don't. And well, like, why would I want jam in my cream by using the same spoon? Outrageous. Outrageous. <sighs> so that's your weekend. What about you, Ant? What about you? Have you got... Uh, um, the oldest boy happening? football match Saturday. Um, similar to you, we're embracing the cooler weather, although it shows you how well insulated our new house is. It's outrageously well insulated. I'm going out for lunch with some people I'm going to be doing some business with in the near future, which I will start talking about soon. 
Adeline's mm. under wraps at the minute, but I do have a listener announcement in perhaps two, three weeks' time. Um, yeah. So, my- I, do you know, our world is going to be very different in two or three weeks' time, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, in, yeah, yeah. Listeners, just wait. We've got some very, very exciting things happening in our world. Yeah, You'll all need one of JB's wetsuits when you find out. Yeah, and a lovely, cosy, warm fire to keep you warm at night. It's goodbye from me. I've been Anthony Price. And it's been good night. (laughs) And good day. And good morning from me. But I just want to leave you with this thought. Have a thought, but then do some thinking on your thought. Because a thought is different to thinking. A thought is something that comes into your head. Don't forget to think about your thought. Thank you. Goodbye. And for the robots out there, you can't do that. Goodbye. Goodbye.